Hello, movers and shakers, and welcome back to Check Your Pulse. My name's Anissa, and I'm alive, because we're alive and we're all alive together. In fact, just check your pulse and see if you're alive as well. And someone who is alive and with me right now is one of my good friends, Rhiannon Glar. Hello, Rhiannon. Hello. Um, I just wanted to introduce you, because you actually have been quite an influential person in my life, without you probably knowing it. Um, we met, how we know each other is we met through bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, and you were into sort of the bikini aspect of it and we had like a fitness family that we all got together with and that's how I met you. Now you have your own business. Um, it's called Beauty by Bliss and it's a makeup and brow studio. Guys, it's amazing. It's in the city. It's beautiful. Like anyone out there, guys and girls, <laughs> if you would like to get your makeup done and uh, eyebrows done, I highly recommend it. The link will be on my blog. But I want to hear more about this woman and you would want to hear more about this woman too because she is incredible. I want to find out where her fire came from. So, Rhiannon, let's start with the fact that you're not Australian. Well, I'm half and half. I'm from the US, but my mom is from Australia. So um, I have a little bit of both, but unfortunately my uh, very strong American accent is not going anywhere. <laughs> so I don't think anyone will ever consider me entirely Australian. Um, so when did you did you grow up there? Did you move? When did you move out here? Um, I moved here when I was 19, just over five years ago now, um, and I spent my whole life there, other than a bit of travel that I did with my family um, for their work, and like three months where I came over um, to Australia when I was 15, and I did a semester at Clayfield College. Oh, yeah. um, so that was just kind of like a fun, I dropped out of school in the US and came <laughs> over here and did three months here, and then went back home and continued with my education in the States until, um, until I was 19. I'd done one year of university in the States and decided it wasn't the right place for me, um, and I thought I'd go somewhere where I really knew that I loved it. I had a great group of people that I already knew here and um, I wanted a big change and challenge so I came here. So whereabouts did you go up in America? Um, Pennsylvania which is just below New York. Um, I grew up right outside of Philadelphia in very much like a small farming country town wow. sort of place. Um, yeah. yeah you really couldn't do anything other than hang out with friends and stuff like that until you had your license to like get out of town and go and do things so it was pretty small. So what did you study at university? Um, I went to a very small engineering school actually and I studied business and technology um, which was basically a filter to Wall Street. I realized very quickly that wasn't wow. right for me. So what, okay, this is, this is a big leap because we've gone from potentially like Wall Street kind of that kind of thinking to now you're doing, well you have your own business in beauty or makeup and, and brow and all that kind of thing. That's, that's a massive change. So what what, what was the journey between those two things? Well, um, it actually stemmed from what I wanted to do originally, which was to be a wedding planner. And um, in the US, there's a really big sport, sporting culture, and I played volleyball quite seriously. And I was recruited for the volleyball team at this particular school. And in my mind, I thought any business degree would be what I needed to start a business. Um, but obviously, it was not very entrepreneurial. Based. It was really based around finance and working for large established corporations, um, which is why I realized so quickly that I wasn't in the right place. It wasn't the right school for me. Um, so I, I feel like I always knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I knew that I wanted to be a wedding planner since I was about 15, probably. Um, and I just 
kept making the wrong choices as to how I was going to achieve that um, in terms of what I was studying and where I was studying. Um, and a lot of that was based around my desire to play university volleyball in the States. So um, I learned a lot about those sorts of choices and it was a great experience and I loved playing for the school and loved the people that I met there. But um, I really had to make the choice after that to go somewhere else and um, yeah, make better decisions based around what my future was going to hold rather than about what sports I wanted to play and things like that. Do you think though those decisions you made, even though they weren't I guess in the in the long end towards your goal, do you think you still got value out of doing something like that, like taking that sport to that kind of level and experiencing what that had to offer? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think I feel that way about everything that I could go either way on in my life where there's potential for regret or potential for seeing it as something that got me to where I am now and I always try to see it that way because um, I'm really happy with where I am now and I'm happy with what I've ended up doing and the people that surround me and my lifestyle so if it weren't for every single thing that happened to me and every choice that I made um, I wouldn't be where I am now so I can't regret any of that and all I can do is pull the pieces of value out of it that I found from it and all of it was learning experience all of it um, contributed to who I am as a person now so you moved out here when you were 19 was that with family friends by yourself no I moved here with um, my high school sweetheart <laughs> um, we had been together since I was 16 um, and we moved over here together he wasn't very worldly or interested in travel so I don't think he adapted very well to um, such a cultural change mm. um, and about six months after we moved here together we decided to end things and he went back to the US um, because I have citizenship here thankfully because of my mom but um, he did not and I don't think it was the right place for him anyway so he went back home and I was here by myself. So you're here by yourself 19 and what did you like did you know what kind of direction you wanted to go in? Did you have ideas of whether you wanted to travel around Australia or did you know you wanted to settle up roots somewhere? Were you thinking about starting a business? Like where were you at? Because I, I remember when I was 18, all I was thinking about was, I have a boyfriend, this is so exciting. Um, yeah, not very worldly, but where, where were you? Um, well, I transferred directly to UQ and started as soon as I got here, pretty much. Um, and I started in their event management program thinking that that would be really great for wedding planning. But as it turned out, it was really geared towards festivals, which is quite different, um, really based around working directly with um, big businesses and big names and things like that, whereas I wanted to work on a personal level with individuals that were getting married, of course. So um, again, realized I had started into the wrong course and um, decided that it after my first semester here that it would be best to take some time off and try to figure out the best route to get to where I wanted to be. Um, so I made another series of bad decisions basically and went and did all sorts of jobs that weren't right for me um, and then decided to try and get a little bit more into the wedding industry um, by doing some hair and makeup for weddings and events and in doing that realized that that's what I really love doing more than anything and decided to pursue that rather than actually planning weddings so I didn't go back to university um, I did a couple more sort of odd jobs I worked for a vintage bridal magazine that's based in South Bank I worked for my dad's travel company for a little while um, all while, while sort of figuring out what I was going to do in the beauty space um, and trying to just do a little bit more with makeup as much as I could um, and 
yeah, over time it sort of developed into wanting to really specialize in makeup. Um, I picked up a few additional little courses to kind of um, keep myself fed and clothed and <laughs> housed. Um, have to do, yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, doing um, some lash extensions and brow shaping, and I really fell in love with brow shaping as well. Um, I think it makes such a difference to people, and it's such a quick in and out um, service that, yeah, is really like quite life changing to have good eyebrows. Um, as minimal as that sounds. Um, Can I just say, your eyebrows <laughs> are incredible, so I would highly recommend anyone to go see Rhiannon because it, yeah, on fleek. Is that right? On fleek? <laughs> that is right. It's not a term I personally use, but in the industry, I do believe that's correct. <laughs> now, you talked about just then briefly about making bad decisions. So what is this idea that these decisions that you made to get to where you are were potentially not the best? Um, I think I really lacked confidence and I didn't have a lot of self-respect. Um, I got involved in a series of um, really detrimental relationships. Um, I ended up getting married when I was 20 to a guy who was um, quite um, controlling and um, sexually and mentally abusive towards me for um, about two years and that was really hard. Um, I just spent time at home. I, I really couldn't go anywhere or socialize or um, anything like that. And, and when it whittles down to it, like that was him. That was the way he was. But um, I made a series of choices that got me into that situation. And at the end of the day, I had to be the one to get myself out of them. So um, that's what I did when I was 22. Um, and I left that marriage. And it just was a whole bunch of little things like that um, that contributed to, I think, a really big lack of confidence and lack of direction and um, concern for doing things that other people wanted me to do, and um, which obviously is not the right way to live, for me at least. Um, and so, yeah, I think I just had to navigate my way out of that. It's, um, it's quite a obvious... In a way, it's still a taboo topic to talk about this kind of relationship, whether you're male or female, um, abusive. And you, I was, I'm getting goosebumps right now. I was around you when you were going through this period, um, not obviously directly, but indirectly around you. And you created or you found such a strength to go through it and then to be able to talk about it with a group of people, which was incredible for you to stand up and be like, guys, this happened to me. It's not okay. Um, you know, if you're not feeling confident, if you're not feeling, you know, worthy, it's okay to speak up and talk to someone about it and find someone to help, you know, you go through it. How did you find that strength? Like, what was kind of driving you to get through that? Were there people behind you kind of going, this is not okay? Or did you have to come to some conclusion yourself? What kind of, I guess, gave you the, the grit to go through it? Because that's tough. Um, I think... I was really lucky to have met a few people that um, knew what was going on with me in my relationship but um, didn't directly tell me what to do as a solution and so I never felt like I couldn't rely on them or I had to isolate myself from them because um, they were telling me to do something that I wasn't ready to do. Um, instead they really just supported me through it and when I was ready on my own to make that move away from it they were there to help me get through that. Um, I was very lucky to have people that were there to take me in that I had never even met before. Um, 
for a few weeks after because I just sort of left one day and that was it. Um, I had people that, you know, brought their big trucks and pulled everything out of the house all at once and um, got my things into a new place. And um, my mom was here as well, which was really lucky. Um, she moved over about two years after I came to Australia um, and she is my best friend. So I was really lucky to have her here as well. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it is becoming more socially acceptable and common to speak about things like physical abuse um, in relationships, whether by or towards females or males. Um, but I don't think that the mental sexual side of abuse really gets touched on as much. And I think it's also something that's a lot less obvious, of course, um, and that they're needs to be people aware of what the signs are for that for themselves as well as for others um, and so for me I just thought it was really important to sort of share that and because I think I was aware of other people that were going through similar things obviously on different scales and in different ways but nonetheless not the right scenario for them going forward um, and I know what it feels like to not think that you have any other option or like that's what your life is going to be forever and now you know those two years are like a blink of an eye for me and that's only a few years on from it so um, I just think it's really important to be for me it was important to be vocal about it and to talk to people and let them know that you know this was this is a, an example of something that's not right and something um, that there are other people to support you through and um, yeah, I think that's probably why I spoke about it. It wasn't easy. It definitely wasn't easy to talk about it. I got really emotional speaking about it for sure. And um, and it's not to say that afterwards, you know, I was just fine. I walked out of the relationship and then, you know, I was able to just build this business and life was great because I didn't have this terrible person in my life anymore. It wasn't like that at all because I spent probably six months not doing anything, living off of the money that um, I'd taken out of my um, superannuation fund in the U.S. and um, not really doing much work at all or trying to work on um, my future plans because I was wallowing. I was self-pitying and I was feeling like, you know, I'd been a victim and so um, I couldn't be expected to just pick up and fix things and, and whatever and I was really lucky to have my now partner um, Florian around to sort of give me the kick up the butt that I needed that um, you know I couldn't live like that forever and I needed to sort of make some plans and so it you know it can feel a little bit simple when I talk about it to people that you know um, I left one day and that was great and then I was able to talk about it and that was great and then now I've got a business and it's like there were a lot of things in in between that that happened and um, a lot of personal things that I went through that um, were challenging were really challenging and um, oh, you know what I went through with my ex is not something that I would wish on anyone but um, again it's just one of those things that's made me the person I am now and I'm happy with that person so so how did you go from I guess I mean it's crushing like I can only imagine I haven't been through anything like that myself but how did you go from this real low of you know wallowing and sort of saying like the self-pity and that kind of thing to then and of course you did have Florian around you and Florian's amazing we love him um but personally even though you might have someone with you who's supporting you through it how do you mentally go you know what I'm going to go from what I feel like is nothing to now try and become somebody and to make a business well I think um it's a really it was a really long process getting there like I said it was you know over six months that it took me to even start doing 
anything really like I focused a lot of my time on um, a bodybuilding competition that I had coming up and I sort of treated that as if it was my job and at the end of the day it's not it's a hobby um, and I needed those reality checks from him and from people around me to sort of go this is not a long-term sustainable thing that um, you should be putting as much effort and time into as you are like there has to be other stuff going on um, and so it was very gradual you know I opened a home like a very tiny little home studio in the middle of nowhere little suburb to begin with and um, did what I could there and then um, you know over about eight months I really just tried to pick myself up and do more with it and I was really lucky to have support systems around that really you know drove the word of mouth sort of side of my business but I still really lacked confidence in doing sort of face-to-face -face or business-to-business -business marketing so it was never going to grow if I didn't get out of my comfort zone with that so I spent a lot of time listening to podcasts and listening to people that inspired me and um, listening to audiobooks and reading and doing just heaps of personal development um, when my clientele base was relatively small and I had plenty of time for that. And then when I started to turn a bit more of a profit with the business, um, I decided to throw myself back in the deep end and lease a commercial space um, in the Valley. And that was another like really big challenge that I was suddenly paying this huge amount of rent for um, and I had no choice but to throw myself out of my comfort zone and um, find ways to network and find ways to market and speak to new people and I think one of the biggest challenges with that is that there's so many resources out there for businesses that have unlimited global reach like um, online businesses or businesses that don't require your hands to be on someone's face doing their makeup in person in your studio in order for you to be making money or making a profit um, and so to sort of whittle through all the information and resources out there to find marketing strategies that could be implemented locally I think was probably my biggest challenge um, and I'm very lucky to have stumbled upon a few really fantastic entrepreneurial groups um, in Brisbane that um, are mostly women and I can really rely on them to help me through the stages of my business that um, I haven't navigated through yet and need more information on or help or anything like that. And um, yeah, I'm very lucky to have found them. So I think that it's just been a very gradual um, process of finding the right resources and networks and, um, and groups to sort of um, be around and learn from. And I think that that's probably just understanding that it's slow and that you just have to come to each point when you're ready. So we were just talking about how, you know, there's definitely a lot of support networks out there when you're starting to grow a business. However, we just got on the subject while we had a little breather that not everything is what it seems when it comes to, I guess, people's expectations on Instagram or life or businesses. It's sort of like we create this facade that everything is perfect. And you, have you experienced this? Yeah, definitely. Um, at the moment, I have had the opportunity to work with a lot of bigger names in sort of the social media influencer, blogger, sphere world. Um, and it's really interesting to actually sit down and talk to them a little bit more about what their day-to-day -day life is like. And um, 
it's so different to what they put out onto social media. So many of them are struggling financially or are picking up, you know, side jobs or things like that that they don't really enjoy or don't really want to be doing or they're living with a friend or family and kind of, you know, borrowing money or things are a bit tight at the moment or whatever it is or they're, you know, coming to different brands um, for representation or product or services not because they necessarily have a huge following but because they can't afford it and that is how um, they're getting it because they do have that huge social social media following or um, any sort of um, engagement that they're getting and it's so interesting then to talk to them and then go back to their social media feed and look at it and just think that's not what you would ever get from what they're putting out there to the world and I think it's so important for people to realize that whether it's your competitors or people you look up to they all have their own challenges they all have their things that they're going through no one's just got it simply um, and no one's you know perfected it it's it's always a work in progress I think and it's just so important for people to realize that like uh, like I said before, it's like we all have our fat day, we all have our hungover day that we, you know, we wear the PJs and we're like, please just get to the servo, get the drinks and hope no one sees me. It's the same kind of thing in a way with social media. Like we're so conditioned now that you only put your best photo out there. You only, you know, you only put up the social events that you're happy to be a part of. And we ourselves, even without a business, are filtering ourselves. And do you think because you do a lot of personal development yourself and I'm a big fan of it. Do you think this is starting to really maybe um, eat away at the integrity of who we are as people? Well, I think it's really interesting because there's sort of this contrast now where there's almost accounts that are going completely the opposite direction and trying to really... um, smash through those barriers and show people exactly what's really happening and I you know I always wonder how much they are truly showing you know people that do before and after photos or relaxed versus posed photos to show what they you know generally are like or after they've had a big meal or you know what the reality of their life is like and it's just impossible to know because you can put anything out there that you want to on social media and I think for a brand for a business it makes a lot of sense to um, you know you're not going to show a photo of a purse you're trying to sell in bad lighting but it doesn't mean that's not what it's going to look like when it shows up for you whereas um, it's sort of different if you're an individual and you're sort of showing yourself as doing something that you're not actually doing and um, I think that that's okay because that's what you want to put out there and that's the purpose of social media and that's the purpose of um, the internet is being able to put out the things that you want to put out um, and not put out the things that you don't so I think the important part comes for people to understand that that is there and that's the situation versus trying to censor people from you know or expect them to put up the really nitty-gritty stuff of their life or anything like that you know they're going through it and this is one of the ways they're dealing with it and I think that's totally acceptable to put up what you want the world to see from you I think it's just really key that people recognize that that's not the full story. How do you go, particularly with your business, you are working with an image, like you you have to show the outcome, which is, you know, the beautiful makeup, the flawless skin, that kind of thing. How do you go presenting yourself in that way and then knowing like the reality of the situation as well? I mean, I, I know from a business point of view, that's what you want to market, but how do you 
do it from a personal point of view? Yeah, I think it's quite tricky because um, especially when I was sort of still growing my um, clientele base and everything, I was seeing these images that are just flawless and um, you know, I was naive to think that that was a raw shot of someone's face um, and you know, that they didn't have any sort of um, you know, flaws at all and that's not realistic and I got to a point where I did realize what other you know artists in my industry and people in my industry were using different um, retouching platforms and things like that to sort of change that and I understood and I still understand um, why they do that because it's it's meant to be about the makeup it's meant to be about what we've done as an artist and not about whether someone has you know things on their their skin or their face that you can't cover up you know there's only so much we can do for things like um, rough surfaces or um, you know a blemish may be red and we can take that away but it doesn't mean that we can take it being take it away from being heightened and being visible um, so I think I understand why people do what they do with that and I went through a phase of doing it quite heavily as well because I really just wanted people to see the eye makeup that I'd done or the lip color that I'd used or whatever it was but um, over time I sort of got to a space where I was really comfortable to put up a more natural version um, and that was you know using the right lighting to show the best version of what um, I've created and that's great and the only sort of retouching I will do now is um, if I'm concerned that my client wouldn't be comfortable with me putting up a photo if they have something like acne scarring or um, very deep set pores or something like that that I know that they can't control I can't control but I still want people to be able to see the eye makeup that I've done or the you know the color that I've used on their cheeks or whatever it is and so if my concern is that my client wouldn't be comfortable with the photo being put up without some retouching in that way then I will do it otherwise I will put natural photos up with you know a little bit of filtering to show the right natural lighting of what I've actually done that's truest to the colors I've used. Do you think now that kind of mindset is helping you sort of really brand the integrity within your business? Yeah, I think so. I think that I found more of my niche market and the people that I want to cater to and what their goals are. And I really love um, making my business and my brand about creating the best version of the person that walks into my studio rather than changing them. So doing that insane retouching and changing of the colors and things like that is not worthwhile for me because it doesn't speak to my market. It doesn't speak to the people that I want to have in and the looks that I want to create and the ways that I want to bring out their eye color or their natural features that are already stunning and I just want to enhance those with what I do as an art rather than taking a completely different face and putting it onto them. That's not that's not me, that's not my brand, and that's not what I want to be putting out there to the world. So I think as I've become more comfortable that I cater to a different clientele than some of the people that I originally wanted to position myself near, um, that I've become really confident in putting out this stuff that really shows that. Is it interesting um, sometimes getting new clients in that maybe have they ever had higher expectations with what you can deliver than what you actually can give them or have you completely, sh the other way, have you completely shocked and wowed them with perhaps something that they didn't see was there in terms of their own beauty? Um, I definitely say my skill set is at a point now where I can deliver whatever the client wants um, and I love that and that's taken a long time and there were times in the past when I was sort of developing my skills where um, I would feel a lack of confidence about what I was putting out and I don't think I ever had clients that 
weren't happy with something, but I think as an artist, you're constantly critiquing yourself and thinking, I should have done this, or I should have used this, or I could have done better with that. Um, and it's not to say that they aren't happy with it. I think I always try to go above and beyond what they expect, um, but I will still be critical of myself. But that's the best way to learn, is to sort of look back at what I've done and um, make improvements for next time. And that's how I'll always keep my clients more and more happy and more and more impressed with what I'm doing. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think um, sort of the things that they come in with are such a wide variety of what they want done and what they expect. And I think a really important thing and something that shows a lot more experience in this industry than people that are just starting out is the ability to explain to the client the differences in what they're asking for um, or the photo that they're showing of someone else and the makeup on that person and their personal face structure, um, their eye shape, their colors of their skin um, or their hair texture or anything like that because I can often get someone that comes in and tells me verbally that they want a nice natural look and then they'll pull up a photo of someone like Kim Kardashian and I'm like you really have to be able to pick through what they like about that look do they like the gold color that was used on her eyes do they like the um, you know the nudie pink color that's used on her lips or do they like the photo because it's Kim Kardashian and everyone thinks she's beautiful so it's really kind of picking through that and um, making those assessments and then coming back to the point of well if you do like that color this is my recommendation for your personal skin tone because maybe someone's as nice and pale as I am and they're showing me a photo of someone with really dark skin um, and that color is going to show up very differently um, so it's really I think it's really important to be able to have those conversations with your client and have a sound understanding of so much more than just makeup but face structure, what the client wants, what their goals are, and how they feel about themselves walking in, and how they want to feel when they walk out. There's so much more to it. You talk a lot about your personal confidence and how you kind of are in a space now where you feel confident in what you're doing. Now, regardless of whether it's a business or just personally, well, you've gone from both, really, being not confident in your personal life and then being confident in that, and then going not confident in your business life, and now being confident in that. What advice would you give, particularly women, because let's be honest, we, we talk about what we know, we're girls. Um, what advice would you give to any young woman out there about creating some confidence within themselves? Um, I think probably the biggest thing is personal development and self-education. Um, there's no way I would be confident in what I can do as a makeup artist if I wasn't constantly learning and constantly trying to improve myself um, and reaching out to other people that are doing things that I really want to be able to do or um, want to learn how to do um, and, and feed off of their success and their information and knowledge base. Um, and then I think also more in my personal life I think it's so much about who I surround myself with um, and that obviously stems from having you know coming from really dark places with the people that I had been around um, to developing good and yeah really good circles of influence um, and I think that that lends to my confidence quite a bit and you, you sort of come to a point where you don't necessarily even need that because um, you recognize that having the right people around you means that they're always going to see you the way that you want to be seen and the way that you project yourself in the way that um, is right for you and so if the right people are around you then you don't have to be anything other than exactly what you are and what you feel comfortable being and I think that as soon as you get into that space of course you're going to be confident because it's what feels natural for you. 
And finally, because you are following your dream and your passion, is there any advice you'd give to someone who's like, I've got this thing, particularly, I know for myself, I've just decided to, to really follow that through. And it took, you know, a roundabout way to get there. But have you got advice for someone who's like, look, I've got this dream, I've got this passion, but I don't feel I can do it? Um, I'd probably say that self-awareness is really important um, because everyone develops that in a different way. Um, I was lucky to be able to just start and um, I had the funds and savings and I did it in a way that I was able to just do my business. I was able to not work another job, but it's different for everyone. Some people need to have that um, constant source of income. Um, some people don't ever want to turn their passion into a, an income stream. Some people just want to work the way that they need to work to be able to fund doing their passion outside of work. And I think that all of those are fantastic ways to do it as long as you do follow your passion in some way. Um, and I think that just trying to find the right people to support that um, and and what your actual goal is for it is really, really important, um, whether that's networking groups or other entrepreneurs or people that are doing things that you look up to. I think just, um, yeah, being around the right people is so key for that and, and just getting yourself to do it because I think life is so short and um, you know when I look back at things that I chose not to do or I chose to do in the end it's such a short-lived thing um, so you might as well give it a try what a fantastic note to end on I hope you guys can hear us okay over the we're in a bit of a bar scenario right now but thank you so much Rhiannon Glaff for joining me on Check Your Pulse and all the information about uh, Rhiannon's studio will be up on my uh, blog so please check that out but thank you my pleasure. It was lovely speaking to you. It's all right. Guys, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great one. Bye.